Hello, I'm Ivan, and welcome to this week's episode of the Amber Light Public Speaking Podcast. This is episode 10, Memorization Techniques Part 1. Firstly, sorry there was no episode last week, but I had a stinking cold. It was horrible. I could have recorded an episode, but all you'd have heard was me blowing my nose for 15 minutes. Not much fun for either of us. This will be a bit more interesting than that, I promise. Before I get to the meat of the episode, I just wanted to mention that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes as well as Stitcher, SoundCloud and all good podcasting applications, and maybe even a few bad ones too. If you want to be sure to hear the second part of this series on memorization, go and subscribe and then you won't miss a thing. If you fancy leaving a review, that's great too. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks. I also want to note that I'd really appreciate your support of this podcast. The primary way to support the podcast is to buy the Amberlight Speech Timer app for iPhone and iPad. With this app, you can practice your speeches and ensure they run to time. And you can also use it to time speakers at your Toastmasters or debating club. It's a top quality app, even if I do say so myself. And it's not expensive, about pound fifty in the UK, about 2 bucks in the US. So head over to amberlightapp.com, that's amberlightapp.com, to read more about it and you can watch some demo videos. I'll talk about some other ways you can support the podcast if you can't buy the app at the end of the episode. And after that, I've got a little surprise sound clip for you that I hope you'll enjoy. So stay tuned all the way to the end of this episode. Right. Enough of me rambling. On with the show. One of the biggest fears for any public speaker is drying up. Your memory can fail you, leaving your mouth wordlessly flapping and producing nothing but silence. What a nightmare. The obvious solution is to use an index card with a few choice words and phrases on it. This is better than drying up, but it's not as good as being able to work without notes which always looks much more professional. Maybe you have a shaky memory like me, or you might be called upon to do a speech at short notice and just want to memorise things quickly so you can dispense with the index card. Here in this episode are a few tips that will help you memorise your speech more quickly and with greater confidence. Advice 1. Create a running order. Before you start, you'll need that index card even if you're not going to use it later. This is where you're going to write your running order. You might use a different name for this, but that's what I call it, a running order. It's basically a list of short prompts that immediately remind me what I should be saying in what order. So what should you write on your running order? Usually it's a keyword or short phrase descriptive of this part of the speech. Whatever it is that catches the flavour of what you're saying in this section. If you use anything too vague, that'll be useless. And beware, be wary of writing a really long sentence. It won't be memorable enough. Try to keep it short. Here's an example. Let's say that I'm going to do a speech about the Tower of London, an historic castle in my city. I've decided that I'm going to do a brief introduction, then I'll tell three stories about the tower, and then I'll wrap up with a conclusion about the tower as it is today. My running order then could be this. 1. Creation of the tower. 2. The princes in the tower. 3. 
Henry VIII's wives executed. Four, Guy Fawkes. Five, The Tower Today. I might even have subsections. Under Henry VIII's executed wives, I might add Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard, so I have a section for each wife. Be careful if you do add subsections. If you add too many, you'll make it harder to remember and you'll probably get stuck when you do your speech for real. Another reason to be careful is that a large number of subsections may indicate that your speech is too complex and a complex speech may be too challenging for your audience. If you can't remember your speech, how will your audience remember it? So how do you decide whether you should add a section to your list? The way I like to think of it is of a frog jumping from lily pad to lily pad across a pond. Each item should be a lily pad, a part of your speech with which you feel safe and comfortable. In my example, I feel pretty confident I can tell my story about Anne Boleyn once I get started, but I may just need a reminder that the next story I need to tell after Anne Boleyn, the next lily pad, if you will, is Catherine Howard. In short, the list will map the route from one area of confidence to the next area of confidence. For everyone, this will be different depending on what you find easiest to remember. Most of us find stories memorable, so we don't need reminders within the story, but we may need reminders of which story follows another. Let your memory guide you. Each time you rehearse, look for the bit where your memory fails you again and again, and add a list item there. And here's a tip for your running order, something you've probably not come across before. Try drawing pictures next to your running order items. You see, some people remember things better if they're visual. I know I do. And drawing will help you remember. Don't worry if your drawings are rubbish. They'll, that'll only make it more memorable. If you still don't feel comfortable drawing, then try writing the words flamboyantly and with different colour inks. I know it sounds stupid, and it does look like an over-excited seven-year-old has drawn all over your notes, but trust me, it really does work. Try it out. You'll see. Advice 2. Symbols. Very often the reason we struggle to remember things is because they're not memorable. That may be tautological, but it's true. Abstract concepts can be much harder to remember than people. Theories are harder to remember than stories. Phone numbers are harder to remember than songs. That last one is a good example, actually. Most of us can't remember phone numbers easily, which is why adverts with phone numbers in them often turn them into songs. Here's an example from a recent TV advert in the UK that I heard only yesterday. Hastings Direct, refreshingly straightforward insurance. 0800-00-1066 or visit our website. Most memorisation techniques are all about taking things that are hard to remember and associating them with more memorable things. In this case, phone numbers are hard to remember but songs are easy to remember. So they marry them together and it makes it easier to recall. Let's say I need to remember the year the Tower of London was built, 1066. One thing I can do is associate each number with another word. Ten could become ton. So now I can picture a big one-ton weight like you'd see in the Roadrunner cartoons. Six could become a sock 
and I could picture it as a sock puppet with big eyes on it. You know, little button eyes that you can have on a sock puppet? If I want to remember 1066, I can now picture a one-ton weight being lifted up by two sock puppets. If you want to remember a lot of numbers, then you can develop this shorthand. Keep using the same images for the same numbers and just have them interact in different ways. I will probably want to recall the year of Anne Boleyn's death, 1536. I have a winner's medal to represent the word one. I have fire to represent the word five. I have a tree to represent the word three. And I already have a sock to represent the word six. So, if I want to create that number as an image, I can have Anne Boleyn holding a medal that's on fire and putting it on a tree that has a sock puppet on one of the branches. That seems pretty memorable to me. Now I should be able to remember 1536. Try this technique out yourself, because you really won't believe it until you try it. First, decide what words you want to represent the numbers from 1 to 10. It's going to be different for everyone. It just needs to be something that's memorable and works for you. Once you've done that, pick up anything that has a barcode on it. A book, a ketchup bottle, anything. And then commit the barcode number to memory using this approach. You may have to memorize the numbers in batches of three or four. Now, after you've done that, let 15 minutes pass and then take a pen and paper and write the memorized number down. Then check and see if you got it right. If you didn't get it precisely right, you probably got very close. You certainly did much better than you would have done if you hadn't used a technique. If you did struggle a lot, then it may be because the scenarios weren't weird enough to be memorable. Using subtle images doesn't really work well with this technique. Make sure the pictures you're using to represent the numbers are visually strong enough too. Concepts won't work. It needs to be something very visual. Importantly, you can also use this technique for things that aren't numbers. I might wish to remember the names of the three people who were executed alongside Guy Fawkes. Thomas Wintour, Ambrose Rookwood and Robert Keyes. To remember Thomas Wintour, I could imagine the fashion editor Anna Wintour with cat's ears like Tom from the Tom and Jerry cartoons. For Ambrose Rookwood, I could imagine some Ambrosia rice pudding, which is a disgusting dessert that they make in this country, don't ask, with a wooden rook chess piece floating in it. The chess piece might have woodworm just to underline the wood part, otherwise I might forget it. But you get the idea. I've covered quite a bit in this episode already, so I think I'll continue next week with some more techniques rather than cram even more into this one. In the meantime, try out the techniques. I think you'll be happy with how well they work. I hope you found that useful. And if you did, I hope you'll spend a moment to support this podcast. As mentioned before, you can buy the Amberlight Speech Timer app by going to amberlightapp.com. A recent development is a LinkedIn page. I'm posting some great content over there at the moment, and if you frequent LinkedIn, then I'm sure you'll find it useful. Just search for Amberlight Speech Timer on LinkedIn and follow the page. 
And maybe while you're there, you could like a few posts and then your colleagues and even your ex-colleagues will see them. Additionally, there is Twitter, where the account name is Amberlight App. Consider following the account and retweeting some of the tweets there, especially if they're about the app or the podcast. Amberlight is also on Google Plus and Facebook, so some likes on there would be great too if that's the way you roll. Earlier, I promised you an audio clip. This clip is from the Penguin Books podcast, where various authors chat about their newly released books. I only discovered a podcast this week, and it's really good. If you want to check it out and have a look, the link is in the show notes. This particular episode that interested me featured an interview with the human rights lawyer and campaigner, Shami Chakrabarti. In this clip, she discusses doing speeches and Q&As, and sometimes having to talk about really horrible and depressing things. Here it is. I was once speaking many years ago to an audience, I think in Bristol, about all sorts of all sorts of terrible things uh, that were being done in in our name during the war on terror. I talk about them in the book, and at the end of this um, this rather grim and worthy talk that I'd given, a young woman academic um, uh, came up to me at the end of the talk. She didn't she didn't do this in in, in public. She she spared me that, and she said, "Shami, it was very nice to hear you, and I learned so much about all these terrible things that are being done in our name. So thank you for that. But but do remember." Martin Luther King never said, I have a nightmare. And I thought, good point, well made, you know, and um, and I've tried to remember that ever since. If um, if people don't know about terrible things that are happening in the world, then they, they, they can't do anything about them. But, but equally, if life just seems impossible and and challenges uh, are hopeless, then, then what's the point in trying to do something about them? So there has to be light and shade, I think, when you're trying to motivate people to to make things better. Isn't that great? Anyway, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and I look forward to catching up with you again on the next episode. All the best. Bye.